0: Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 42, um, which we've been really platforming our whole series off of. And it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common." And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, over to Hebrews chapter 4. And if you could do me a favor, could you just kill this monitor altogether? Because there's just a nasty hum coming out of it. Just I don't know if we can just turn it off altogether, but that would be awesome. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. And it says this, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. How many of you guys are thankful for that? None of you. Okay. Verse 16. Let us then with confidence... A lot of people are going to get saved tonight. Praise Jesus. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. Let me read that last verse again. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now back to Acts chapter 12. We're going to read some more scripture. Acts 12, starting in verse 1. It Says this about that time: Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. When he had saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But, everybody say but. That wasn't everybody. Come on, everybody say but. but. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on the ver- that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains in centuries before the door were guarding the, pr- uh, the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter in the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. The chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. He said to him, Whoever did that, I love you so much. Nick, I love you. Wrap your cloak around you. Follow me. He went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. How many of you guys think this is a pretty cool story so far? Thank you. I like you, Brett. Me and Brett think it's a cool story. When they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city, opened to them of its own accord. How many of you guys think this is a cool story? All right, you're getting it. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord. They went out and went along uh, one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, "Now I am sure the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me in the hand of Herod, from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people uh, that were expecting." Verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together. And we're praying. When he knocked on the door of the uh, gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and reported Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You are out of your mind. You dumb little girl. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that tonight, God, as we get into your word, that God, you'd reveal yourself to us, God, in a greater way than we knew you when we came in. God, I pray for those that are in need tonight. God, satisfy their needs with your word. God, speak to them, give them wisdom, give them direction, give them clarity. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. An atheist was walking through the woods one day admiring all that evolution had created. What majestic trees and what a powerful river. Beautiful animals, he said to himself. As he walked alongside the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. Turning to look, he saw a big grizzly bear beginning to charge toward him. He ran as fast as he could down the path. He he looked over his shoulder and saw that the bear was rapidly closing on him. Somehow he ran even faster. So scared the tears came from his eyes. He looked again and the bear was even closer. His heart was pounding uh, out of his chest and he tried to run even faster. But alas, he tripped and he fell to the ground. As he rolled over to pick himself up, he saw the bear reaching for him with the left hand, raising his right paw to deliver the killing blow. Oh my God! shouted the atheist. Time stopped. The river froze. Trees stopped blowing in the wind. The forest was silent. Even the butterflies froze in the air. Are you with me? Time had stopped. A brilliant light shone upon the man and a thunderous voice came from all around. Luke, I'm your... No, never mind. Brilliant light shone and a voice thundered from all around. You deny my existence for all these years. You you teach others that I do not exist. You even credit creation to some cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? Difficult as it was, the atheist looked directly into the light and said, it would be hypocritical to ask to be a Christian after all these years and under these circumstances. But perhaps... You can make the bear a Christian. Very well, the voice said. The light went away. The river started rushing. The birds started chirping. And, and the butterflies started flapping their little wings. The huge bear dropped down to his knees, brought his paws together, bowed, and spoke, Lord, thank you for this food, which I am about to receive. Probably not exactly the way the atheist wanted his, his prayer. Answer. Tonight, I want to talk to you about our last crutch, and I want to talk to you about the crutch of prayer. We started this series four weeks ago, and we started talking about, about community, and we, we talked about giving, and we've talked about the Word, and we've talked about how these things are, are, can be a crutch for you in your life. You know what a crutch does? A crutch helps support you as something's healing. But in studying this, we understand that this is not just something we bring alongside of us in a hard time. We don't just need to have community in a hard time. We don't just need the Word of God in hard times. And we don't just need prayer in hard times. But we realize that if we make these a part of our life and we do them all the time, things are easier. Are you with me tonight? And so we understand this, that Jesus really does want to be our crutch. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, To trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own crutch. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, in everything you do, in every circumstance you find yourself, every decision you're going to make, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will become the one that leads you, that guides you, that takes you through whatever you're going through. Are you with me tonight? Okay, so Jesus really does want to be your crutch. I shared with you this before, but I'm so tired of of people that would come and say, man, that Christianity, that's just your crutch. And you know, and that Jesus is just your crutch. And then people would be like, no, he's not, no, he's not. I just, you know what, he is my crutch. I would rather have him be my crutch than something else or someone else. You with me tonight? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And no one, but no one's going to get to heaven except through him. So tonight I want to talk to you about the last one that we we see in Acts 2. In Acts 2, we saw community. We saw how they were meeting together. In Acts 2, we we saw the word, that they gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine. We saw how they had all things in common and they were given, giving to one another. Lastly, we see in Acts 2, 42-47, that there was prayer going on and there was a lot of prayer going on. Those four things, if you read on, equaled, man, a great harvest, equaled a great revival. And I believe that this is to be the culture of urban and really the culture of the New Testament church. Prayer is such a significant thing. Why is it so significant? Because it's when we converse with God. Luke chapter 11, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, we got one thing to ask of you. Jesus said, What is that? He said, Will you teach us to pray? As John also taught his disciples. So significant is this one one thing called prayer that this whole passage is written about it. Jesus begins to teach his disciples how to pray. Another one to look at is is Luke 18. Luke 18. Write those down, look at those later. But prayer is such a significant thing. Now prayer, I believe, is probably one of the most powerful things that we can do, but it's probably one of the most neglected things we do. I'm not going to take the, you know, hey, raise your hands. How many of you guys prayed today, you know? Um, I'm sure some of us, you know, pray, you know, five minutes a day, or some of us just pray, you know, will the Coke machine please work Jesus? You know, whatever it is, okay? Somehow, I'm sure we pray throughout the day. But prayer, honestly, I believe is, is one of the most powerful things, but yet it's one of the most unused Tools and things that God has given us and we just kind of leave it there and we don't do anything with it. And to some of us, maybe we don't know how to pray or, or we think prayer is what we've seen on TV or seen somebody else do. And we've seen the extremes of prayer. We've seen the extremes of prayer when someone's in a, you know, in a time of need, like, God, if you just get me out of this, I will never do that again. How many of you guys have ever prayed that one before? Yeah. How many of you guys prayed it today? <laughs> And so you think about, that's prayer, you know. I, I talk to God. I've I got myself in a predicament. This is bad. And God, I really need you to get me out of this one. I promise if you get me out, I'll never do it again. And then two minutes later, you're praying the same prayer. Or there's the, on the opposite spectrum, and, and we see someone that's just so eloquent with prayer. And we think that's how we ought to pray. Our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You ever seen it? And then they go on and they thank God for everything. I want to thank you God for all the little ants covering the face of Thy beautiful earth thank you for the glorious sun that rose this morning you, you you know what I'm saying and so we got that as a model of prayer and then we got the get me out of out of trouble as a model of prayer but can I just tell you tonight that, that literally prayer at its very simplest form is just a conversation with God there's nothing magical or mystical about it. You don't have to say these set of words and, and sit a certain way and and, and you know and close yourself in a little room. or You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is open your mouth and say, Hey, God, what up? It's the most slang I know right there. Yo, God, what up? Just have a conversation with God. Just like you would talk to anybody else, you can begin to talk to Him. You know what, God? Today is really a good day. And I really thank you for it. It's pretty cool. I kind of have these plans today, God. What do you think, you know? And and what are you going to be doing today, you know? You know, what's going on, you know? Um, Just having a conversation with God. That's prayer in its simplest form. And God is looking for that. And I believe that, obviously, we don't have time to talk about all the different types of prayer that the Bible talks about. But I believe this. I believe that if we could just get that one type of prayer, just conversation with God, as the centerpiece, then life would be so much better. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about prayer tonight. Prayer, like I said, is one of the most unused things. Prayer is, pray, prayer is really only as powerful as you allow it to be. Prayer is only as effective as you praying. Because we could talk about prayer tonight, and how awesome prayer is, how powerful it is, and then you never pray. Man, prayer's a powerful thing. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Have you prayed? No. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, that's, that'd be like, you know, someone gave you like a brand new Porsche. And you just leave the key hanging on the little, the key thing. Oh, I got a Porsche. Really? Where's that in the garage? Let's take it for a spin now. You just let it sit there and you talk about how cool your Porsche is. No one ever gets to see your Porsche. <laughs> when you don't activate prayer, it's like prayer's just sitting dormant there. Are you with me tonight? All you have to do is open up your mouth and begin to converse and begin to talk. And all of a sudden, man, some things begin to happen. We're going to look at what those things are tonight. So Acts chapter 2, very significant. We've got to have prayer in our lives. Uh, you, you know, I, there's different ways of doing that. Some people have a time set aside where I pray this time or I pray at night or I pray over my food or, or whatever it might be. Um, but you have certain times. I pray with my daughters as I'm driving them to school. And I pray outside of that as well, but that's, their, that's, that's daddy-daughter time to pray. And they each pray, and then I pray for him. Boom! I kick him out of the car into school. So there's different times to pray, but one thing, uh, and, you know, there's a, a guy that this, this name was Smith Wigglesworth, and he said this. He said, "I don't pray much more than thirty minutes, but I don't go much more than thirty minutes without praying." Now I don't know if that's because he was getting in trouble all the time, or what, or if he was just really that close with God. Me, I do that, but it's usually because I'm in trouble all the time, or I need God just to show up and, and speak to me. And so, like, I'll go thirty minutes without praying, but then, be like, oh man, I need you again, God. That's my life. I need Him all the time. Acts, or Hebrews chapter 4, says this, it says, To draw near to the throne of mercy and grace that you may have or obtain grace and have it in a time of need. So draw near to the throne of mercy and grace. How do we do that? Very simple, we pray. How do we get near to God? We pray, okay? Yes, we read the Bible, but we pray, and that draws us. How do I get closer with my wife? Okay, I don't get closer with my wife just by going on and reading her Facebook. Okay, I don't get closer to mom just by going on an all oh, great blog, baby. <laughs> no, sh- you're laughing at her blogs or at my analogy, but one of us is going to kill you later. Anyway, I don't get closer by just reading. I get closer by conversing with her, by having conversation. Honestly, the only way that you get closer to somebody is by talking with them. Are you with me? The way you get closer to God, the way you draw near to the throne of mercy and grace is by having a conversation with God, which we are calling prayer. And so you pray, you get closer. Now look what the Bible says. The Bible says this, to draw near to the throne of mercy and grace so that you may obtain grace and then have that grace in a time of need. In other words, don't wait till you're in a time of need. Too many people wait until they're in a time of need. I haven't prayed in 13 years, but now I lost my job. God, would you help me? Will God respond? Yes, I'm I'm sure He'll respond. But what the Bible is saying is this, is if you live a lifestyle of prayer, if you every day are drawing near to the throne of mercy and grace, that you'll have grace on your life. And then when you're in a time of need, guess what? Grace is there. Are you with me? Thus grace begins to become your crutch and begin to carry you through that circumstance, that situation. And so we draw near every day. All of a sudden, now we're in a time of need. I've been there before. I've been in those times of need, and God just showed up quickly, and He gave me the answer. He gave me wisdom. He gave me insight. He redirected this or redirected that. Why was that? I believe it's because I was near to Him, and it was easy for me to hear His voice. But there's been other times in my life, where maybe there was weeks that went on, where I didn't spend that time in conversation with Him. All of a sudden something happens and now I find myself facing the circumstance and God, help, show up. And I'm not hearing him quite as clearly. God wants you to draw near to the throne of mercy so he can put grace on your life. and you can have that grace in a time of need. We see this played out in Acts chapter 12. I believe one of the coolest stories about prayer... And as we were reading it earlier, and we're going to look at this tonight and we're just going to pull some things out. And uh, I believe this, I believe that as you apply this principle to your life, as you become um, a closer to God, that you're going to see some very significant things happen in and through you. Acts chapter 12, absolutely amazing story. We already read the account of it. Uh, some crazy things are happening. Um, number one thing that boggles my mind though is this, is why does one guy have so many guards? Okay. Just first glance at reading it, it's like if you count them all up, there's eight guards guarding one dude. He's actually chained to one guy over here and chained to a guy over here, so that way if he tries to escape, they'll feel him trying to escape, and they'll be like, hey, dude, sit back down. And then they have two guys guarding the door, and then two guys guarding the gate, and then two other guys doing whatever they're doing. Eight dudes guarding one guy. Why is that? Well, if you read the previous accounts, you understand that Peter's actually become kind of like prison break, Okay? He is, Wetworth Miller, or whatever the guy's name is, all right? He, yeah. And he has learned how to break out of prisons, all right? For whatever reason. And so now they're like, wait a second, this dude has broken out two other times. You know, we, we, better, we better put him under lock and key and let's get some guards, okay? Okay, so he's not going to be able to just, you know, tattoo his body up, all right, and follow the tattoos out of this one, okay? Those of you who watch the show, all right. Something has to happen, Okay. So they've got guards on him because they don't want him to escape. That, that pretty much boggled my mind. And then you understand this, though. You see that, that the church is praying. Now, I want you to catch this because I believe that verse 5 is where the whole story begins to transition. Here's Peter. He's in prison. Now, here's another crazy thing that you've got to catch that Peter's actually sleeping. He thinks he's dreaming the whole thing. I don't know about you, but if they just killed my buddy, because you read that earlier, killed him with a sword and they got eight guards on me, and everybody wants me dead, I don't think I'd be sleeping. But maybe, once again, he's the escape artist. Maybe he just knows it's going to happen, all right? So, here he is in prison. Verse 5 says this, So Peter was kept in prison. Here is the greatest transitional word in the Bible, but. And this right here is where everything begins to switch. But earnest prayer for him was being made to God, by the church. He was sleeping. He wasn't even praying. That's pretty cool. He was sleeping. The church was praying. And right there, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is where the transition begins to take place in this whole entire story. It's ugly to this point. His buddy got killed, slaughtered with the sword. He's he's, he's under lock and key, guards everywhere. But, 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 here's the principle I want you to learn tonight. If you you don't catch anything else, catch this tonight. It doesn't matter how bad it looks in your life. Sure, you might not be like Peter. You might not be in a prison. You, you You might not be like Peter, you know, under lock and guard and chain and all that. But sometimes you find yourself in a situation where, man, God, if you don't show up, there ain't no way out of this one. So you can look at all the facts, and Peter could have looked at all the facts. He looked around, and maybe he did look at all the facts. Man, there's eight guards. I'm chained to these two guys. There's two gates I've got to get through. And they've really, they've really you know, clamped down on this one. So I don't think I'm going to be able to get out. The facts were, he's locked up. But the truth is that the church was praying. And as long as prayer is being made, there's a way out. So you can look at the facts of your life and you can look about, man, I just lost my job and I know there's several people sitting here tonight that have just recently lost their job. And you could be looking at the facts and you could be thinking, man, I just lost my job. I don't have that much in the bank. This doesn't look good. But the church is praying. Are you with me tonight? You can look at your circumstance, your situation. You can think, man, this is, man, this relationship, man, you know, the marriage. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe it's a mom and dad relationship. Whatever it is. And you can look at that relationship. You can look at that circumstance. You can think, man, this does not look good. But people are praying. And as long as there's people praying, there's an opportunity. As long as there's somebody praying, there's an opportunity, and we're going to see in just a minute, for God to show up and God to do something. Now, if you're one of these people, please don't get offended. But I've had too many people, I'm in a a crisis or a time in my life, and they'll come up and they'll be like, hey, you know, my thoughts are with you. Great. What are you thinking about? How horrible your situation is, you know? Now, I know they're being genuine, and this is, you know... But I don't know about you. But I'm pretty sure Peter's probably happy that the church wasn't just thinking about him. Dude, man, Peter, she, she's really got himself in trouble this time. Yeah, I know. It's looking bad. I know, man. Here they got eight guards. Eight? Yeah, wow. Yeah, and he's got to get through two gates this time. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. Might have to call the company in. I don't know. It's just bad, you know. And what if they just thought about him? Man, he's going to end up just like James dead. It's over. Man, it's horrible, I know. But we're thinking about you, Peter. So what? Look, when I'm in the middle of a hard time, please don't think about me. You know? Or if you do think about me, maybe pray for me, please. You know? I could use that. That would be good. But just somebody, I remember, I still remember, you know, and these guys, and they were valets, they weren't Christians. God bless their heart. And so, but too many Christians are just like, hey, my thoughts are with you. Oh, shame on you. If you're thinking about them, they're in a tough situation, you better be praying for them. I mean, sometimes, I mean, honestly, I have a friend that, man, his name's Judah, Michael, and, and man, every time I go out to lunch with him or go get whatever with him, he's just, at the end of the conversation, he's like, dude, we pray right now. And there could be, it doesn't matter who's around. like, yeah, dude, let's pray. But he's not just one of those guys that just is like, you know, okay, eyes open. I'm going to stare at you. They'll think we're talking. This dude's crazy, man. He he grabs my hand. I'm like, okay, make it a quick prayer, please. You know. But he goes to town. He prays. Now think about what happens. Look, just our thoughts aren't enough. If all they did is think about Peter, Peter would be dead right now. Well, he is dead, but he would have been dead right then. You know? But the church is praying. Next time you hear about something going on, don't just think about, man, that's tragic, man, that's bad. I'll look at the news. That's horrible. When you begin to pray, something begins to happen. Prayer is one of the most powerful, but yet most ignored, opportunities that we have. The church is praying, and because the church prayed, here we go, this is where it is tonight. How is prayer your crutch, or how can it get you through a tough time, or even in everyday life, because they pray. number one, it releases you from the burden. When you pray, it releases you from the burden. And I'm glad it releases me from the burden. Listen to this verse right here. First Peter 5, 7 says this, Cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. He is giving you the opportunity to get rid of all of your burdens, all of your weight, all of your cares, all of your concerns, all of your problems. His name is Jesus, and He took it on the cross. He's saying, yo, hey, throw it on me. How do I do that? Just say, God, I give it to you. Jesus, I give it to you. Cast all your cares. When you begin to pray, it releases you from the burden, and it puts the burden on Him. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Especially in the process of starting this church. We are now eight weeks in and God has been speaking to Urban about starting a morning service. A morning service out of need because we don't have enough room. No, if you look around, there's obviously plenty of room. But I believe that God's been speaking to Urban to start a morning service because we're going to reach a whole new wave of people in downtown. I believe God's speaking to us to start this service. And, as, and sometimes I'm looking at God like, God, you know, I don't want to max the team out. God, you know, I'm trying to get more people involved or whatever it is. And, and sometimes it seems overwhelming. All of a sudden I just got to stop and say, you know what, God? It's not my church. It's your church. And the minute I begin to think it's my church, we got issues. So God, you know what? If you want a morning service... You can have it. I'll show up. I'll do what you tell me to do. But God, it's on you. It's on you. And I release that burden to him. And I'll tell you what, it makes life so much easier. The Bible says who, by worrying, can add one cubit? Who can, who can grow it all by worrying? Who can add one cubit to the statue? Nobody can. And so cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And there's time and time again in the process of starting this church where I'm just like, God, I can't do it. God, how is this going to work? Just last week, and I kid you not, and God spoke, speak on giving. But last week, I was praying. I was like, God, you know what? The finances are strong. They're good. But we could use a big hit right now. I mean, in a good way. (laughs) And sure enough, man, we, we obeyed God. We preached on giving. And then this week, God surprised us with that check. I don't know how it works. I'm just glad it works. It releases you from the burden. He was asleep. Why was he asleep? Because the church was praying and the burden was not on him. The burden was on God. God, I'm yours. If you want to get me out of this one, get me out. I'm just, I'm wrongfully imprisoned. I'm I'm doing your will, I'm doing what you told me to do. So, God, there's no burden on me. If I die, I die. He was sleeping. Why? Because there was no burden on him. Number two, when you pray, it invites God into the situation. When you pray, it actually invites God into the situation. There is this old saying that said God does nothing on earth except through invitation. Why is that? Because if you look back in Genesis, you read through the Bible, you see that he gave us authority. But then we coughed up that authority to the enemy. So now God's just waiting, "Oh, you want me to get involved in this thing?" Invite me in. When you begin to pray, it invites God in to the situation. Acts 10.4 talks about a man named Cornelius. Angel of the Lord shows up to Cornelius and says, Hey, Cornelius, I'm here. Because of two things, actually. Because of your giving. And secondly, because of your prayers. I've showed up. I'm coming into the situation because you've Prayed. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Angel of the Lord shows up and says, I've come because of your prayer. Matter of fact, if you read the story, you see that the angel of the Lord tried to show up the minute Daniel began to pray. But yet there was some resistance in the heavenlies. When you pray, it invites God into the situation. Everything God does on earth, He does by invitation. Peter's in prison, but... God, we need you. God, we need you to show up. God, we need you to do something. God, we're inviting you into this situation. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I do for some of you. But I tell you this, if you begin to turn your eyes towards him and you begin to pray, the Bible says, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if my people who are called by my name would bow their knee, turn to heaven, and begin to call upon me, then I would hear their prayer and I would heal their land. I believe this. I believe that in our nation, the greatest thing that God is looking for, He's not looking for economic stimulus plans. He's not looking for bailout money. What God is looking for, He's looking for the people who are called by His name to begin to bow their knee, begin to look towards Him, and begin to cry out to Him. And if we do that, I believe this because we call ourselves a Christian nation. If we do that, He's going to hear from heaven. He's going to show up. What does the Bible say? He's going to heal our land. Got to pray. Got to give ourselves to it. Got to converse with God. Lastly, number three, when we pray, it opens doors to supernatural means. It doesn't just open up to God giving you wisdom. It didn't. Look at what happened with Peter. It wasn't like all of a sudden God just whispered, like, Peter, Peter, I was blocking my mic. Peter, Peter. He didn't just whisper to Peter and say, Hey, Pete, hey, they're asleep right now. Reach over, grab the keys, unlock yourself. Take ten paces forward. Take three paces left. That could happen? Yes. But not only did God get involved, God said, Hey, angel, you, go take care of that. It released him from the burden he was sleeping. The church was praying. God got involved, looked at the situation, and said, eh, I'm going to send an angel this time. And opened up the door to the supernatural so much so that he's just sitting there. I mean, he was so fast asleep that the Bible says the angel actually poked him in the side. Have you, have you read about how big angels are? With a big finger. Like the Pillsbury Dough thing, okay? It's like, wake up. Chains fall off, boom. Guards stay asleep, door opens up, walks right out. I don't know about you, but I love this part here where they get to the gate and the Bible says the gate opens on its own accord. They didn't have garage door clickers back then, people. Just no, He's just walking and doors are opening. What is that? That supernatural events happen. Why? Because somebody was praying. I don't know about you, but I've experienced this over and over and over and over again in my life. I've seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle, not because I deserve it, not because I'm really cool, although I am, not because I'm... But I've seen God do miracle after miracle. When I was 16 years old, I got a phone call. The phone call when I picked it up said, Are your mom and dad home? I said, No, they're not. They're at a a church thing. I said, Well, I really need to talk to them. I need to get a hold of them. I said, You can't. I said, What's wrong? He said, You need to get a hold of your mom and dad. Right now there's been a serious accident. And it was your, not not my oldest brother, but your brother Mark was involved in it. My brother Mark was a police officer. He was on, on call heading somewhere, and he hit a patch of ice, and he started sliding, and the people on the oncoming traffic never got off the road like you're supposed to when the lights are going, and they smashed into him. They crushed his 44 inch seating down to 17 inches. He hit his head on the on the little on the little bar. When they when they got when they got to the scene, they gave him an 8 percent chance to live. I didn't know what to do. I started freaking out, and I picked up. I tried calling my mom and dad. I couldn't get a hold of my mom and dad, so I called the church. Got a hold of one of the pastors. I said, "This is what's happening." And so we're on it. We're praying. I started getting phone calls within 15 minutes. And literally within one hour from when I got that phone call, there were literally people all across the world praying. We were getting reports back that a church in China was praying. We were getting reports that a church over here was praying. It was just like, oh my gosh, because of these prayer chains that people had set up. My brother went from an 8% chance to six months later going back to work full time. How is that? That's not just coincidence. I told you uh, eight weeks ago about my daughter Faith. When she was born, she wasn't breathing. And they were calling for the emergency technicians to come in and begin to do whatever they needed to do. And I, I, I mean, I couldn't do anything except for look to Jesus and say, huh? I said, Faith, you start breathing now in the name of Jesus. And no sooner I get those words out of my mouth, poof, Faith started breathing. Now she breathes a lot. <laughs> really rowdy. I've seen God do miracles. Why? Because I prayed. We were in Mexico, and we were on a vacation. Faith was, I don't even know how old Faith was. Faith was probably five months old, and Cara was just like two and a half or two. We're on vacation, and we end up going over to Cozumel, and we take the ferry boat over there, and we meet up with all of Katie's family, and we're going in, and we're going to have lunch, and and I turned around for a split second to say hi to somebody. I turned around and Kara had gotten away and, and she got up to one of those big bar stools and she climbed up the bar stool and she grabbed onto the table because the stool started to rock and the stool fell and, and she started to fall and she held onto that table. The table was about that thick and she pulled it back. She's two and a half. She pulled it back on top of her and smacks her arm. Pull the table off her and I pick her up and there's like a little like a horseshoe right there. There was a pediatrician on the, on, that was there and he said, man, that thing's broken. You need to get her to the doctor right now. And I'm thinking, my God, we're in Mexico. No offense. So I grab her and I start praying over her and I walk away and I'm praying over her and I'm saying, no, in Jesus' name, you are healed. In Jesus' name, you are healed. I jump in a taxi cab with Katie's aunt and neither one of us speaks Spanish. And we're like, why are you in the car with me? You know, I'm like, Cara, do you speak Spanish, you know? I mean, we're like, I'm like, what in the world? You know, I, I can't speak a lick of Spanish. So we're going. I'm just praying over Amper. I thought I was learning. We get to the doctor and by the time we get to the doctor, the horseshoe is gone. It's totally flat. And there's just a, a little mark right there and they take her and they do x-rays. and say, well, it looks like she's fine. It looks like she has a little bit of a bruise. We'll just put this temporary cast on it to, to kind of help the bruising and help the healing, make sure there's nothing, nothing serious there. But it's it went from a horseshoe to normal. Why is that? Because when we pray, it releases us from the burden. It invites God into the situation and it opens up the door to the supernatural.